Welcome back to Health Check. I'm Heidi Godman. We are here with the folks from SMH, and we are talking about the many anticoagulation clinics that SMH has. Big news, if you haven't heard, SMH has just now expanded the amount of clinics that it has in the area and is taking advantage of the the newest urgent care center out at St. Armand's to set up shop also for one of the anticoagulation clinics. We have a whole team here in the studio. We have Frank Morgan, who's the executive director of Ambulatory Services. We have Nina DeAndrea, who's a nurse practitioner. And we have Abby Holiday, who's the manager of Ambulatory Services in the Cardiac Division. And before we go on talking about the different reasons why you might have to go to one of these anticoagulation clinics. Let me ask you, Abby, a little bit about insurance and access to these. Now, they're open uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., but only on certain days of the week, and it depends on the location, and you have to make sure and check before you go, and and you probably need an appointment. Yes, and I would refer everyone to the smh.com website to um, view the days and hours of operation. We are available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. via our phone, 917-8889. We do make appointments based on physician referrals. So if you are a new patient looking to come to the clinic, you could have your cardiologist, internist, vascular surgeon, send us a referral over to the clinic, and we will set you up an appointment for initial visit with one of our nurse practitioners. That visit could be at any of our seven locations. Your follow-up doesn't have to be at the same location you initiated with. So that's another advantage. If you're working on the south side of town one day and you want to go to Venice to have your blood checked, or if you have an appointment on the main campus, we try to coordinate uh, patients' appointments with what they might have going on with their schedule for that day. That is really convenient. That So it doesn't really matter where you are in the county. You, we've got you covered. Absolutely. I love that aspect. I wish everything was like that. And I'm glad that you were, you were mentioning the hours again, because while the urgent care centers, where a number of these are located, they're open 8 to 8. The anticoagulation clinics go on from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yes. So there's a difference there. All the more reason why you want to make sure that you check before you go get that appointment. Call 917-8889. And if you didn't go to one of these SMH anticoagulation clinics, what's your option? Where do people go to to get help with their warfarin control? So some of the local physicians will actually manage patients on anticoagulation in their office. Um, Some of the cardiologists in private practice choose to do so. Others refer to our practice. So there are also some primary care and internal medicine practices that will take care of this in their office for you. Um, One of the advantages for coming to our clinic, however, is that we do a finger stick. So as opposed to getting a blood draw from your vein at perhaps your physician's office, we can just prick your finger. Um, It's the same type of instrument that you may check your glucose with, and we would have your results of your blood INR within 90 seconds. So you're actually walking out the door with your blood count number and your dosage that the nurse or nurse practitioner is going to give you at the time of your appointment. So it's sort of a one-stop shop. You're in and out within 15 minutes and you have everything you need to go home safely and resume your medication. Okay, fantastic. So a lot of convenience there. And we've been talking about some of the different health conditions that would bring you to an anticoagulation clinic. Of course, if you're taking warfarin, which is a medication to sort of, as they say, thin the blood, but it's not really thin in the blood. Uh, So that's what would bring you there. So one condition that we talked about before was atrial fibrillation. Now we want to talk a little bit about deep vein thrombosis, DVT. And tell us what that is, Nina. That is 
when you form a clot in the veins of the lower extremities, generally from the hips down, the, mm -hmm. the legs. And that can be caused from one of the most common uh, causes is long immobility, mm -hmm. sitting in a chair too long, plane travel, a long car ride. Um, some people, we call them provoked or unprovoked. Maybe you had an injury to your leg and the body's natural response is, response is to clot. It can form that way. People who have um, cancer are more prone to uh, clotting in the legs. People in wheelchairs. Yes. People who are immobile, older adults. Exactly. And the risk of one of these clots is that it can travel up the, the huge vein, the, the vena cava, right? And then go right up to your lungs. Exactly. Is, is that right? And then what happens if you have a pulmonary embolism? Well, is if you have symptoms and you get treated fast and get to emergency room, you have, a, I don't know what that percentage is, but a, a good chance of recovery. Um, they will bring you in, they'll assess you, do the proper scanning, see what's going on, and generally start you on some type of anticoagulant medication. Usually it's heparin. Mm -hmm. It could be intravenously for a short period of time. It could be heparin shots in the stomach, and then generally they will put you on warfarin, which takes about five to seven days to build up into the bloodstream while they're still giving you the heparin. Once you get into that sweet spot, that therapeutic range, then they, then we take away the heparin, and then you continue on the warfarin, and then you would be referred to our clinic. Okay, and then you go every week and you make sure that everything's okay with the thickness of the blood. Uh, you can also get one of those little, it looks like an upside-down fork in the, in the vena cava, right? A, a little screen to catch a clot if it's coming up uh, by any chance and it, it breaks off and is coming up. So hopefully you get treated before then. So deep vein thrombosis, are there any symptoms? Um, generally, people will have a pain. It's, it's often just a pain or some redness. That's the most common. Swelling? Swelling, yeah. yes. So a little bit of heat. Mm -hmm. So And sometimes that leg can get pretty huge, right? Yes. Yeah. I, gen I generally see, um, you know, moderate swelling by the time people get to my clinic. Now, it may have been more swollen when they initially uh, presented to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. All right. And and so there are a number of things that you can do to treat it. As we're saying that you maybe you would get a screen put, placed in your vena cava. Maybe you would get uh, some treatment with medication. And it is pretty well controlled and you have a lot of luck with that. And let's talk about uh, another condition that often sends people to these anticoagulation clinics, which is a genetic clotting problem. Yes. Um, there are many different types of they're called thrombophilias, and that's some genetic defect in your in the clotting system in our body. Um, factor five Leiden, antithrombin three, antiphospholipid syndrome, lupus anticoagulant. There's there's several. The most common among the the general population in thrombophilias is factor five Leiden. So people who have these problems are more prone to clots. And generally, they don't find out that they have a genetic problem until they have a blood clot in their leg. Then it's investigated, why did the 
this person all of a sudden get a blood clot in their leg. Okay. So it, once you find out that you have one of these genetic conditions, then you could get treated with a, a blood thinner, right. right? Maybe you're taking warfarin. All right. And and then a stroke. A lot of times people who have a stroke then are placed on a blood thinner. Why? Because generally most strokes are caused by atrial fibrillation. I don't or a want blood, to say a blood clot. A, a blood clot? Um, well, atrial fibrillation, you know, the, right. the it may clot inside the heart and gets pushed around and gets into one of the cerebral arteries. Right. So, uh, And we, we should mention there are a couple of kinds of strokes, right? There's the hemorrhagic where there's a burst blood vessel or there's the ischemic stroke, right, where it there it, it gets caught. Something blocks the flow of blood to the brain. Right. All right. So, so for that reason, after your stroke, you want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yes. So then you, you would go ahead and be placed pr- potentially on one of these types of blood thinners. Yes. Warfarin is the, the oldest one that we have, and it, it's effective, and it's safe. And, and if, for some reason, you have a fall and then you start bleeding too much, which is a risk when you take warfarin, there's an antidote. Yes, and that antidote is vitamin K. So when we see patients at the clinic and their blood is too thin, they're, it's elevated outside of that sweet spot, their therapeutic range, depending on how elevated is, it is, we can send them home, like Abby mentioned, here, have a cup of green tea, eat a big uh, bowl of broccoli. Dark, leafy greens have a lot of vitamin K. Dark, leafy greens. Coleslaw is a big one because it's yummy, and with, you know, with the mayonnaise. Very sweet. Yes. Um, If it's too thin, we can give them a pill of vitamin K, if it's really too thin, we may have to send them to the emergency room to get an infusion or a shot of vitamin K. Okay. So that so reverses it. A lot of things that you can do, but new class uh, of medications, new class of blood thinners. And these are so handy because they're oral. You don't have to be monitored for them. Tell us a little bit about those. Well, they're called direct oral anticoagulants. And they work on, warfarin works on a multiple, multiple clotting factors in this whole cascade, coagulation cascade in our bodies. And the new direct um, medications work on only one part of it. And so it's just a different mechanism. And we're talking about, let me see if I have Uh, any of these names, rivaroxaban, digoxin. Abixaban. Abixaban. Uh, Apixaban, right? Apixaban. Yeah. Uh, so all, a lot of different names. Uh, some that we're hearing about uh, in terms of, well, if you fall and then you start bleeding too much because you're on a blood thinner, there is not an antidote. Now, I, I know that they've just approved some antidotes for a couple of them, uh, but not all of them. So these are real risks, and, and we don't have those risks as much with warfarin. Yes, the... Um the first direct agent that came out was Pradaxa, and so they have approved a, a reversal agent for that. I know they're working on one for Eliquis, which is Abixaban, and I there may be, may be something down the road for they're looking at for Xeralto. Mm-hmm. Those are the three most common direct agents that I see that I see patients on. Right. But why? I mean, would, that I don't personally treat yeah, them, yes. but that, right. you know, have been on them or are on them. But why would someone choose to be on one of those kinds of anticoagulants as opposed to warfarin? Well, that's a, that's a discussion between the patient and their healthcare provider. Um, their cardiologist, primary care doctor depends on their diagnoses. Um, 
diagnosis. They're only approved for certain diagnoses. You know, there's considerations, people who have renal issues. Um, and so that's where the decision is made. Okay. Yeah, it has to be individualized for mm-hmm. each patient. All right, so much more to know. Also, there's a really big event happening this weekend on the Sun Coast, and uh, an SMH is going to be right there uh, helping out at one of these clinics, at one of the urgent, ser- urgent care centers. So we need to talk about that. But first, we need to take a quick break. This is Health Check with Heidi Godman on WSRQ. We'll be right back.